Welcome to the Cup and Saucy Book Club. I'm Jen. And I'm Zanna. What's in your cup today, Zanna? Today I'm drinking a decaf Earl Grey with notes of rosemary, which is delightful, from Simpson and Vale. How about you? Today I have a very traditional Chinese tea, a Kimum Maofeng from Spring Mountain Tea Company, which is a local tea company to me here in the Bay Area. And they have walls and walls of tea. You would love it, Zanna. Is that the place you took me to? No, no. This is uh, hidden away in a small town in uh, north of San Francisco. So, <laughs> Oh, well, that just means I have to come back. That's right. Well, today we are joined by Jen Devon. Jen is a 2022 debut author. Her contemporary romance, Bend Toward the Sun, was published by St. Martin's Press in August of 2022. She's a former biology academic, now working in software support by day, writing by night, and very early morning. She lives in central Ohio with her spouse, three kids, and two rescue mutts. Besides writing, her favorite things are her garden, online and tabletop gaming, and thrift stores. Jen, welcome to the show. Hi. It's good to be here. Well, we're so happy to have you. So congratulations on the debut novel. I, I really enjoyed it. Uh, how did that come about? Well, it started in Evernote in my iPhone in uh-huh. late 2014. I was okay. work trip and I had about a three to four hour flight ahead of me. And I had already read all of the books that uh, I had taken with me. And so I had had this scene kind of tumbling around in my head of two people uh, who were very, very into each other, but had very, very different views on love. And mm-hmm. it's pretty simple <laughs> on the yeah. surface. So I wrote a scene in, in Evernote in my phone of them dancing and talking about it. And then there's a, there's a version of that scene in the final book. The circumstances and, are a little different for the dance. Sure. When they were at a wedding reception in the first right version, but yeah. Do you have anything on the horizon? What's next? Do you have anything for Rowan and Harry's friends? Like, uh, I've got ideas. I've got ideas. <laughs> I have, uh, I have a book that is in, uh, the second round of revisions right now. Okay. It is, you will see the Brady's again. That's all okay. I'm going to say here. <laughs> I have, I have ideas on who, who could be the couples. <laughs> yeah. I tried to plan. A lot of uh, a lot of sequel bait in there. Debut novel is pretty impressive. Like, how does that come about on the production side? I mean, did you have an agent already, or it's very slow? So I I took about seven years to write this, and just as a hobby, just for fun. I've been reading romance since the early to mid '90s, so I'm a lifer. <laughs> Always loved. Again, same. <laughs> Someday we'll talk about what our first, what our, uh, yeah, you, you gens have a lot in common. <laughs> yes, we do. So yeah, I've always loved romance and I've, I've always loved to write and I didn't really think that it would actually become a thing. And then mm-hmm. in like late 2019, I think I decided to get serious with it. I was listening to a lot of publishing podcasts, starting to follow a lot of publishing people on, on social media and just learning about publishing that way. Cause I, I definitely do not come from a publishing background. I didn't even know what a query letter was letter that you send to prospective agents to get them to possibly represent you. I did a lot of cleaning up of the manuscripts and I started querying agents in August of 2020. So smack dab in the first year of right. 
And uh, I got my first rejection within three hours, which was, uh, <laughs> which is a, a whole experience. quick and uh, quick and terribly painful. <laughs> yes, but it was it was kind of it was it was good in a way because it was like it was the first sign that I was like really in it. Like I had a I was finally doing the thing and there wasn't any turning back. So I got my first request for materials in the middle of October from an incredible agent. And then everything just kind of snowballed from there. Cause I think, I think once one agent shows interest in a manuscript, then others might be a little bit more interested in it. Yeah. So yeah. I, I ended up it's with kind of like dating in that way. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of like a vetting process, I guess. So yeah, I had representation by the end of October and I had a um, book deal from St. Martin's by the first week of November. So it went incredibly quickly for me. Like once the book was out there in the world, I've right. been incredibly fortunate. The second book is not, <laughs> it's not going as smoothly. It's just, it's really, really different writing a second book when there are expectations and parameters that you yourself have said in the first book. Right. The first time around, if something wasn't working or if I was stuck on it, I would just scrap it and go a different way. But now I can't do that because I've established. And now you have to follow your own rules. <laughs> yeah. I know that you said you've been a lifer with romance. Who influences you as a writer? For my first probably few decades of, of reading romance, I was a historical romance reader exclusively. Mm -hmm. And so I was blooded on the um, now pretty problematic uh, uh, historicals from the the mid and late 90s. And so I read a lot of Judith McNaught. She's my favorite. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah, I, I love her. My my first contemporaries were Penny Reed. The Winston Brothers series was the first contemporary. Well, one of the first contemporary series that I read. And I kind of concurrently picked up Nora Roberts for the first time around that same time. I think it was 2004. 16, maybe, I don't remember, but I was already a few years into writing um, my manuscript. So I, I don't know that there's a single person who influences sure. me, but I have, I think my, my contemporaries have kind of a similar like flavor as those nineties historicals, um, just in kind of tone, uh, like without, hopefully without the problematic misogyny and consent issues right. and, <laughs> all of the all of the bad things. One of the things I noticed, Jen, is that there's a lot of. It seems that now there's a lot of contemporaries. That's about half and half. I would, from just my own reading, that are first person narrative, and then yours is in third person, and that's you know representing the other half. Do you think that that influence from the those previous writers? is what brought you to that decision or do you just, it was easier for you to write in that way or? I think that is what I naturally gravitated toward just because it felt, it felt more natural to me. I did start and abandon a rom-com that was in first person, like around the same time that I started this one. And that also felt, that felt natural for that kind of book that I was, that I was working on. But I really, I really like the atmospheric aspect of a book. And I, and it's very, it's difficult. It's difficult for me to do that in first person. I think it was just a little self-indulgent on, on my part that it was easier to get the the element of um, the romance as well as the, the cinematic kind of atmospheric-ness of it. 
Yeah, I have to say your descriptions, the novel is set in a, in a vineyard, in a family vineyard, and that is being brought back to life. I have to say that your descriptions are very vivid. I live at the, at the edge of the Napa Valley. And so I see vineyards all year round in their various states. And the scenes where they're pruning back the, the vines that are diseased and, you know, talking about like the spindly nature of the vines and the branches. And, and it was, I could see it very clearly because I see it just driving down the road every day. And, and I loved that about it that it was because it you know in the winter time when it's all just branches there's no there's no vine there's no leaf anything it always reminds me of <laughs> my my apologies to listeners for this but uh, it reminds me of dead spiders because it's like the, the spiders are all belly up and their legs are sticking out you know that's what a vineyard in winter looks like and you described that so beautifully. So I actually planted a, a Concord grapevine in my backyard early in writing this. So I would be able to see like the way that it, it the way that it changed through the, throughout the seasons, because yeah. I'm in Ohio. So relatively yeah. similar still to, to Pennsylvania. You're, you're working on a, a follow-up right now. Is that under contract or is that? Yes. Yeah, so my contract, my contract with St. Martin's, my debut contract was for two books. Wonderful. So, yeah. So hopefully, hopefully I get to write more after this. Yeah. That's really yeah. I think if you ask any author, regardless of where they are in their career, whether they're brand new or whether they've been doing it for 40 years. Do you have a dream project that you would like to work on? I mean, I know you said you were struggling a little bit with this book too, but I knew that you were going to ask me this and I don't have a concise answer because as an, as a newbie, I have a ton <laughs> of dream uh -huh. projects. I would love to see this become a series. I have a lot of ideas for, for books in this same world. I also have, I have a few like speculative fiction romance sorts of ideas, okay. uh, so like a, like a little bit of a fantasy element or, and I also have had, I've had a fantasy series kind of tumbling around in my head for a very long time. And I, I don't know if I'll ever have the time to write that, but it's definitely a, a fantasy romance kind of epic uh, sort of thing. So yeah, I have, I have a lot of ideas and a lot of, of of dreams. So it's really hard to, to pinpoint one. And I'm, I'm in my forties now. So mm -hmm. I, there are, there's some like existential dread some days where I think about all the ideas that I have and, you know, I'm kind of jealous of <laughs> when they were in their, in their early twenties or even in their early thirties. Well, I'm going to give you a little piece of trivia that might help you, Jen. There's Julia Child, the famous TV chef. She That's wrote- why. Um, and spy, <laughs> allegedly. Um, but she wrote uh, Mastering the Art of French Cooking, which was the book that started it all when she was 50. There is a whole lot of time and a whole potential second life to be lived. So 40s is not too bad. <laughs> Publishing just works on such slow timelines. It, it does. does. Yes, it does. I think the key will be having, you know, several things kind of in, in the mix at once, but I also have a full-time day job that takes a lot of my time. And I, I'm, you know, and raising kids. Them. Yeah. And kids. Yeah. yeah. And dogs. <laughs> so. And a spouse. <laughs> yeah. Time is the most precious currency for sure. So Jen, Cup and Saucy Jen, listened to your book and I eyeball read 
the book. What do you, do you think about the narration done for your book? And do you think it made a difference in the experience? I loved the narration. I got fortunate enough to, for, for my first choice, narrators for both parts to, to be the nice. ones who ended up narrating it. I think originally St. Martin's was thinking of a single narrator. Uh, and I really wanted that perspective from Harry as well. I thought that was really important. So, so, so we ended up getting that. The funny thing is that they're, they got a version of the manuscript that was, I think it was before like the final, the final round of edits. So there are like a little, there are a few little, little problems in the, in the audiobook that, that got uh, resolved uh, in the final printed text. Gotcha. Uh, the one there's, there's a few, but the one that I can think of off the top of my head is in the scene near the beginning uh, where Rowan and Harry are on the dock uh, having their first little conversation. He's wearing short sleeves at the beginning. And I think in by the end, he's wearing long sleeves. So there was just a little, a little, just a little. Okay. Now that makes sense. <laughs> Did you notice? Did you notice? Yes, that? actually, <laughs> I tend to hear those details, uh, and and to to be, uh, I you know I do both actually. I the majority of it I I listen to, and then I will you know if I have to stop for a period of time, I will then uh, eyeball read it. But I also but I always do that sort of dual, and yeah, I did I did notice that. <laughs> um, I'm a much faster reader. I'm an incredibly fast reader. So it's, it's hard for me to, to listen to audiobooks now, just because you have to be, you have to be kind of carried along with the pace of the story and, and the tempo that, the, that they're, they're narrating it. So I, I totally get that. I think uh, catching up, like when you've been away from it for a little while with the text is a kind of quick way to get back up to speed. Well, as, as listeners of the podcast already know that I have a lengthy commute. And so it's my way to tune out what's going on around me. So I listen to a lot more books now than I used to just read them. Eyeball read them. And now I listen to them all. And I'm so glad to hear that you got your first choice narrators. For our listeners, uh, the narrators for this are uh, Aaron Mallon and Chris Brinkley. Aaron Mallon, I think, gets mentioned <laughs> more on this podcast than <laughs> than any other. Yeah, we've talked about Aaron Mallon probably more than anybody else yeah. on this show. Well, three of her audio plays were the first ones that we reviewed. Uh, so, <laughs> and she just keeps coming up. So, Aaron, if you are listening, we would like you to be a guest on the show. Thank you very much. <laughs> okay, end plug. <laughs> I really miss audiobooks. I had a commute um, when I still lived in South Carolina. I had a, mm -hmm. about a 25 minute commute uh, both ways. So that was, that's what I did. I listened to audiobooks and I, and I loved that opportunity to kind of just decompress after work or, you know, ramp up to work. But now I work from home. So I work from right here in this desk and then that's my commute right there. So right. Um, I don't have time to read paper books very much just because I have to spend my time writing and then definitely don't have time for audiobooks. Although I listened to my audiobook when it came out or when I when I got the copy of it last summer before it actually released mm -hmm. in some earbuds while I was doing yard work. And I stayed out in the yard for probably about seven hours that day because I didn't want to go inside and stop the book. So it was fun. Your writing process is a sort of catch as catch can, you know, by way of necessity, but do you, is it difficult for you to 
once you're in the writing portion of your day, is it difficult for you to stay in the zone, keep writing? Do you, you know, walk away from it? Do you have to sort of sit with it for a while? It's, uh, it's very difficult for me to walk away from it. Yes. But when I lose, when I kind of lose the thread, if I've gotten busy and if I haven't written for a few days or even uh, lately, it's been a few weeks since I've been able to really do much. uh, It's very hard for me to get back into it as well. So I'm usually, I try to get up between four and four 30 in the morning so I can get a few hours in uh, before my kids get up for school. You weren't kidding about the very early morning. (laughs) yes yes. I I find I have found that I write best during that short period of time so it's excruciating when I am really in a flow and 7 a.m rolls around and my husband and I have to start wrangling the kids for school because then after they're off to school I'm I have to you know begin my day job and then by the evening I'm garbage my brain is just a pudding so yeah it's hard and, but on the weekends, when I am in like a hyper-focus mode, I am fortunate enough to be able to just disappear in the house and say, leave me alone, please. Mommy's got to mm-hmm. use her brain. But it's, it's, I can't write in here. My brain is so, my brain is so conditioned to be in like work mode. So my creativity just kind of dries up as soon as I walk through sure. the store. So I usually end up having to sit at the dining room table with a pair of noise canceling headphones on or go to the basement and sit in an old recliner, which is not. I, I don't recommend that for for your spinal health. <laughs> yeah, the the ergonomics of that are tricky. <laughs> oh, it's gotten a lot of it's gotten a lot of miles. <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. I I hadn't really thought about it. Your workspace impeding your creative space before, and I haven't published anything, but I've. I've dabbled in writing and I have trouble doing it here, which is also where I do my day job. And that makes a lot of sense, actually, that does make a lot of sense. Our local library just just finished. It was completely rebuilt from the ground up uh, Mm -hmm. and it's reopening in March. So I'm hoping that there are spaces that I can go to in there to to be a little bit. And my kids are older now. When I first started writing this, they were basically, yeah, my son was only a year old at the time. Right. two and four, I think three, three and five. I don't know. So extra energy and time required. Yeah. yeah. So it's definitely gotten easier as they've gotten older, but then the the yeah. guilt starts to creep in. Am I, am I not spending enough time with my children because I'm trying to finish this manuscript? Well, when they're teenagers, they'll just ignore you. <laughs> yes. Yes, they will. There is a lot of, uh, well, and again, another thing we have in common because to get up for the day job, I have to get up at four. So, um, <laughs> I wish to, I, I wish for both of us that we didn't have that in common, but we do. Is there, was there any time when you're going through the first one where you had, oh, okay, so you had said earlier that you had a rom-com that you started and then abandoned. How many times through the course of this book did you, did you just say, I forget it. I'm just, I'm going to chuck it. This, I'm done. I, I, I don't think I ever gave up on it entirely because my goal from the, from the jump was never to publish it. It was just like, Mm -hmm. this is a thing that I'm always going to tinker with. I did, I, there were stretches of six months at a time where I would put it away and just not think about it. And I can't, I can't tell you a specific instance of like what the inspiration was for me to pick it back up again. 
Um, but there were very long stretches of time when I would just walk away from it, I, whether, whether I was just too busy with work or things were busy with the kids or ironically, like in the, in the spring and summer, when I was spending time in my, my yard, my garden, rather than writing about it in a book. Yeah. So never, never fully wanted to abandon it, but definitely walked away from it. They were, they were actually, a lot of things became a lot clearer after that, that little bit of absence. Uh, the book, the book changed a lot. <laughs> I tried, mm-hmm. I tried a lot of external plots and, and trying to shoehorn a lot of, a, a lot of uh, external elements in there and it just didn't work. And eventually I was just like, let's just let it be about them and their feelings. Mm-hmm. The characters of Rowan and Harry are at least on the outside appear to be such different people, you know, how they approach things. Rowan is very, is not about feelings. She's very intellectual in her head a lot. And Harry is, seems to be, well, not all about feelings, but definitely dealing with feelings because of the previous trauma that he has before the start of the book. You know, this is a question that authors get asked often, but I'm going to do it to you too, is how much of each of them comes from you or does it come from people you know? Uh, so I, if I had to pick one of them who I was most like, it would be, it would be Harry. I, I have, I'm fortunate to have a, a very wonderful family. I only have one sibling. I have a brother, so I don't have a big or extended family like, like, like Harry does. Um, but I am also, I am more pragmatic than idealistic, I think. So in that regard, I, I am I am a little bit more like Rowan. I wanted that that stark contrast between them because that's the primary conflict of the book. Like there, there's not yes, a, it is. I really love the idea of an unlikable heroine. Putting that in air quotes, you can't you won't be able to see it on the. <laughs> yeah, because I, I I really I like I, I want that arc to be very 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 clear for for both characters really. Harry also you know has some growth of his own. Oh, quite a lot. Yeah, not only not only um, getting you know kind of starting to heal from some of his past trauma, but he's also he's also kind of forced to look at um, his own kind of self righteousness about the way mm-hmm. things. Change. Yeah, I have to I have to say that that you you mentioned the unlikable heroine and it was it was for me one of the I think parts I had to get over because it, it's you know uh, most of most of the time when reading romances it's it's the guy who's grumpy um, you know or it's the you know secondary characters that they have to deal with and and she's not grumpy necessarily as she is closed off. Yeah, she's prickly. And, and, and so I liked that about her, to be honest. That, that was uh, like, I always liked Rowan, but again, that's probably speaks a lot to my own personality and my own dealings with people. (laughs) (laughs) People either love her or hate her, I think. I I don't think there's a lot, a lot, but I will say in the second book that I'm writing, She's a very different Rowan uh, now that she's happy and healthy and in love. And it, writing Harry and Rowan in this second book has been an absolute joy. It's just, it's probably my favorite thing about the book right now, at least. But yeah, I just, I, I think that, I think that there are enough people. Well, there's so many people in this world and there have been so many people in this world that I think any fictional character that you read about 
there's probably, I mean, there's definitely someone out there who is just like that person. And I think everybody deserves love and everybody, well, unless they're a horrible person. (laughs) Genocidal maniac, maybe not them. Yeah. I really like the idea of like, of challenging people to think like, why is it that I don't like this character? Is it, is it some kind of internalized narrative that I have told myself about this kind of person and at the same time I you know I do understand that that fiction also is meant to be escapist so I tried to like thread that needle of of her being unlikable but also being relatable and then I I hope her growth is enough that people are are rooting for her by the by the end I don't really think that it's so much completely unlikable as it is for the differences between Xana and I is you know Rowan sort of shines a spotlight on it because because you know Xana related to her much more than I did but we're also very different personalities right and I also wasn't a romance reader until very recently uh, yeah so I I dragged her starting with this podcast yeah (laughs) I dragged her into this (laughs) so I make her read stuff um (laughs) it's not uh that's our shtick yeah that's our shtick I love it. uh, What speaks to the quality of your writing is that we have a visceral reaction to Rowan. Whether whether we like her or not, you have a visceral reaction to Rowan. She's not, you know, she's not somebody that you just kind of read about and go, eh, meh, okay, you know, whatever. Um, And, you know, for her to be a main character. She's not a paper doll. But for her to be a strong main character, she has to have something that is strong about her even if that's just the strong reaction but she does have a strength of her own it's not you know she's not (laughs) she's not a wimp by any means (laughs) but as you were saying earlier I think it speaks to the parts of yourself when you're looking at a character and and how you respond to a character that you say you know what is what does that say what does that say about me that I'm feeling this way about this person because even though it's a fictional character, there's somebody like that out in the world. And that tells you a lot about how you'll respond to that person out in, you know, out in the world when you actually meet them. Yeah, I, I, I really appreciate the challenge that you took upon yourself to write in the beginning an unlikable heroine the, or, or with the potential for being unlikable. Yeah. What I particularly liked I think about the relationship between Rowan and Harry is that it reminded me a little bit more of my own uh, because in my relationship with my husband he's the romantic and I am you know I I appreciate that about him and I appreciate that he's like that and that he's the one who's pouring on the love language and I feel very deeply but I don't emote very strongly and so I, I appreciated that dynamic because it was something that I, I haven't seen very much of so far and not just in romance but other writing too mm-hmm. yeah agreed I, I think that that's it's a, it's a bold choice and it pays off for me of of your characters I probably identify most with Frankie because Frankie Frankie is the one who's always true facts yep. yeah yeah <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, I I knew you would say that. <laughs> I'm always the one who's poking everybody to 
to go outside their comfort zone to do the to do the things to always with enthusiasm <laughs> far more enthusiasm than you would expect yeah. at seven in the morning true yeah. true and uh so you know i don't know what follow-up characters you're working on but i'm 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 pulling for frankie just putting that out there frankie will get a book yay yeah for sure even if even if saint martin's doesn't want it i'm still gonna write it yeah. <laughs> so i guess that kind of just gave away what the- <laughs> too much for being oblique at the beginning <laughs> yeah I think uh I think Rowan and Frankie and Temperance are all they're they're all three so different I think they're they all have little bits of of me in them and I think all uh-huh. of them have little bits of my husband in them they're not explicit self-inserts but they you have to write what you know oh yeah well and that and that they are they're all friends seems on the surface to be like how did that happen but oh no that i get i get that totally yeah it happens all the time <laughs> i mean we're friends so. yeah and we've been <laughs> friends for years so it's you know it works <laughs> so jen what is coming up uh for you as as far as the you know bringing this book out into the world making sure that uh more people read it 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 came out mid last year. There's still plenty of time for people to discover it, and we hope that uh, we hope that we help you do that. But if you do, you have do you have events or or things coming up down the uh, down the road this year that do you want to talk about and for promoting the book? I have. Um, I I'm going to be at the Ohioana Library Association event in Columbus, Ohio, in April. And I have applied to be at the the Columbus Book Festival. I think that's the, that's the name of it. It's it's an inaugural event. It's the first time I haven't heard back whether or not I will be at that. But it's it's a quiet year now. I'm uh, I am enjoying <laughs> I'm enjoying the downtime. I'm on a kind of a social media hiatus right now, just to kind mm-hmm. of I enjoy it, but it's also very draining and very very much a preoccupation when I'm mm-hmm. in it. In the, that that promotional uh, kind of self promo mode, yeah, that's that's really it for right now. I would love to be on on more podcasts. This has been an absolute joy. Thank you so much for being on the program. Yes, thank you, Jen. Thank you and all the places that you can be found online when you are online uh, will be in the show notes. And you can follow us on social media at Cup and Saucy Books. We are on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. We're on Twitter at Cup in letter in Saucy Books. And thank you for joining us for the Cup and Saucy Book Club. Join us next time for Zana's review of whatever it is I made her read. And probably tangents. Happy reading. Happy reading.